it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! So, Hammer, it's been an interesting 24 hours for the, uh, I guess you'd call him a Republican <laughs> candidate, <laughs> Jefferson Sharif, uh, who is uh, uh, running for mayor against Joe Hogsett. Uh, the controversy stemming from his public safety policy, uh, more specifically the part in there where it mirrors Hogsett's policy of, of gun grabbing. Right. Uh, of gun control. And you're a Marion County resident. I work in Marion County. My family uh, lives in Marion County, downtown. And this has just sort of been kind of an inexplicable blunder, uh, a needless. It just didn't need to happen this way. And I'm wondering if you are still, as a Marion County voter, I don't live in Marion County, are you still planning on voting for him? Or are you going to sit this one out? Have you made that decision yet? Well, as of right now, I am not voting for Jefferson Shreve, and I sure as hell am not voting for Joe Hogsett. So this means, as of right now, my options are either I sit this one out or I write in Abdul. And I'm leaning toward just writing in Abdul Hakeem Shabazz for mayor of Indianapolis. Hmm. Now, I understand some people... Some Republicans would say, you're throwing your vote away. But why should I reward somebody with my vote when he clearly doesn't give a damn about me? And if you look at what's taken place the last 24 hours, just the last 24 hours with the Jefferson Shreve campaign, this tells you who they are. Right. So instead of coming on to WIBC and having a tough conversation with us, or even with Rob Kendall or Tony Katz, they ran to the Indy Star. There's an op-ed by Jefferson Shreve in the Indy Star right now. Hmm. Meanwhile, one of his main advisors, this Mark Lubbers character... Who? Exactly. He's going on social media. Now, mind you, this old fossil probably tweets five or six times a year. Tops. All of a sudden, he's on social media picking fights with Guy Relford, the man that sticks up for gun right owners all over the city and state. Guy Relford, he's picking a fight with him while making fun of this radio station and the people that listen to it, WIBC. So in 24 hours... You've got them running to the liberal indie star. You've got the advisor ripping on conservative WIBC. I mean, let's call it what it is, even though we rip everybody evenly, I feel like. Is that a good look for conservatives in Indianapolis? Is this somebody you feel comfortable hitching your wagon on? Somebody that's already blaming law-abiding citizens for the problems that we've got in Indianapolis. So much that he's campaigning on it. It wasn't like it was a little part of his deal. No, 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 no. Don't let people tell you, well, the gun grabbing was just a small part of his plan. No, that's a pretty big plan. And he's writing op-eds. He's campaigning on it. 
I got news for you. And I said this earlier when I jumped on with Rob. If you don't know Indianapolis, and I know this is a strong radio signal. We damn near go statewide. Here's what you need to know about Indianapolis. It's not people exercising constitutional carry that is the problem in this city right now. That has nothing to do with the crime or the homicides or the way things are. But this guy, Mr. Run to the Indy Star, Mr. Bash Guy Relford, they're blaming the law-abiding citizens for it. So I cannot reward that person with my vote. And not only that, it's just a dumb political move. I mean, to quote uh, James Briggs from Axios, who used to write for the Indy Star, quote, Shreve's left turn on guns is an unequivocal win for Hogsett. <laughs> I mean, he gets it. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's he's talking about a law that they want to implement that they can't implement in Marion County. Right. It's, it's you can't do what they want to do county by county there's the preemption act uh that says only you know the state legislature can make these rules all right so if you want to get rid of constitutional carry you want to get rid of concealed carry which i don't know if sharif wants to get rid of concealed carry but i know definitely hogshead does that's that stuff you can't do county by county even logistically that would be ridiculous and joe hogshead knows that too hogshead knows he can't get away with that the city county council those democrat seals that clap right along with it they know that's never going to become the law it was a horrible hail mary for a guy that had bad polling numbers and what does jefferson shreve do and his team of advisors they look at that and go Hot damn, that's a great idea. <laughs> Let's pick him up. Let's throw him a lifeline here. Let's throw him a life raft as he's jumping off the Titanic. This is why so many people are frustrated, because it feels like during the primary process, a lot of people who voted for Shreve now feel like they wasted their vote. So as of right now, my plan is to just vote in Abdul. I'm going to write in my candidate because neither one of these zeros have earned the right for my vote. You I'm made, just one man. You though. made a good point earlier, I believe, when you were talking to Rob on his his show this morning, is that you know the numbers, the homicides, the crime was the highest, and we didn't have constitutional carry. A couple of a couple right. of years ago, right? Correct. We didn't have that, and now Hogsett's trying to brag that the numbers are way down in this city, but and yet, we don't have constitutional <laughs> carry. But yet, it's constitutional yeah. carry's fault. You can't have it both ways. He's like he's so desperate. He's throwing crap against the wall in hopes that it sticks, and they want you to believe it. And here's the other thing: if you notice any social media posts from Jefferson Shreve or um, this lubber's nerd. <laughs> Watch the people that respond and like it, like in a positive manner. People that like it. It's a lot of left-leaning people. It's the Adam Renz. It's the Axios writers. Those are the people that are liking posts from the Republican candidate here in Indianapolis. And as for this lover's character, he went after Guy Relford on Twitter. Did you see Guy's response? Yeah, Nige? that's great. That's... I'm going to read this here. Quote, and this is from Guy Relford to the advisor of the Shreve campaign. Quote, here's an interesting fun fact that explains a lot. Richard Luger, 
Republican, had a long and distinguished career in the U.S. Senate, but he eventually voted for an assault weapons ban, earned an F rating from the NRA, an extreme rarity for a Republican, and was then defeated by Richard Murdoch in the Republican primary in 2012. Who was Luger's longtime campaign manager? Mark Lubbers, <laughs> the chief strategist for the Jefferson Shreve campaign for Indy mayor. I mean, for God's sake, Luger was like probably one of the most iconic, well-respected <laughs> uh, political figures the state's ever seen, and Lubbers took him right down the tubes. <laughs> Got beat by Murdoch, for God's sake. This race and what's happening here in Indianapolis starting to get some national attention, and Indiana Senator Mike Braun, who is running to be the governor in Indiana, uh, he put out a statement. Now, tell me who you think he's talking about in this statement, Nige. Quote, national and local politicians across the country are always trying to restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens. We need to set into law that no one can declare a national health emergency to seize the power or restrict our Second Amendment rights with the stroke of a pen. I will stand up for Hoosiers' gun rights. Yeah, I'm trying to get uh, Senator on tomorrow to talk more about that. So, again, I'm just one man, and I understand if some... Republicans want to be mad at me, but understand this. I was all in on Jefferson Shreve because I can't stand the way Joe Hogsett runs this city, the way he rips on police to the public, the way he runs and hides when there's mayor, when there's riots going on. Four more years of this guy as the mayor is going to be a mess. I'm not going to vote for that guy. I wanted Shreve to win this thing, but he lost me by blaming me and people like me about the crime in Indianapolis. So I'm writing in Abdul. If you guys want to join me, be my guest. There's a lot of time between now and November. Maybe things will change. I don't know, but that's my plan as of right now. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It is the Hammer and Nigel show. Hear a little blues coming in right there. Yeah, I love it. And Nigel, when you think of the blues in Indianapolis, what's the one place that pops into your mind right away? Oh, please. The noodle. Are you kidding me? The Slippery Noodle Inn, and Sean is here from the Noodle. Sean, what's up, man? How you guys doing? Appreciate you having me in here. So, correct me if I'm wrong, you are a relatively new owner to what is the oldest bar in Indianapolis, is that right? Correct. My partner and I took over in March. How did that all come to be? I mean, it's like one thing to be a couple of guys drunk <laughs> in a bar one night. Let's start our own bar. I'd be <laughs> awesome to run my own bar. But you were like, you took it to the next level. You're like, let's buy the most iconic bar <laughs> in the city of Indianapolis, possibly the Midwest. How did uh, you come to this decision? To- part of me is wondering why I did that. So <laughs> the long hours, uh, but I'm loving it. Uh, we've been friends with Hal, the prior owner, and, and his family, and had called on the Slippery Noodle for years. 
years in my prior jobs. Uh, just been a fan of it. Loved going there. Actually, my wife and I started dating there. The general manager, Marty, married my wife and I. Oh, wow. So we had this personal connection to that bar. And then when Hal passed away a few years ago, we started talking to the family about selling it. And we lucked out that they trusted us with the legacy of it. And so we jumped and that in was important it. to them. Before it was. They and that's what we it. told them. We, we're not coming in to change it and making anything crazy. We, we wanted to kind of clean it up and tweak it a little bit. And just keep it going with lots of live blues and great music. We were talking uh, before we came back on the air. Uh, one of my buddies is part of the previous ownership, a guy I went to high school with named Josh. And uh, you guys used to hang out a little bit. And we were telling some war stories. I don't want to get too yeah. into the weeds here. Uh, but, uh, man, that was such an important part of that family's life was. was that bar. Uh and again, I can't believe that the process seemed like it went smooth and seamless. It was. It was, uh, it was kind of quiet and under the radar. She didn't want it really public that we were buying it, so it was really quiet for everybody. It was a little bit of a shock. But uh, once we got through it, we promised them that we would kind of keep the noodle what it was and keep blues there and keep the good food. And, and the, we retained and, a lot of the staff, too. And the so. key is you're really no rookie in this business. Right? No, you I've got 25 years in it. My partner's owned bars prior to this. So we have a lot of experience in this town and selling alcohol and running bars and restaurants. So, yeah. I really think it says a lot that Slippery Noodle's been open this long. And I mean, because there are some bars that are open and shut, bad management. Um, you know, Slippery Noodles survived. Uh, they weathered the COVID storm. And some people didn't make it back from that. But you guys are thriving now and I, I know there's a reason you're here you have an event this weekend but 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 how has it been since new ownership i mean what what has anything changed at all i know there was that thing there where uh, what you were gonna have let kids in or not or what, yeah, what so was the, that thing so the that uh Yegi family had the kids in there it was, it was an all-ages place they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah they managed it so the kids were allowed there before 7 30 on weekends before, and, that's right okay. and before nine when we took over uh there was just a confusion of some of the paperwork that said that it was allowed or not allowed we got it cleared up with the, uh, the city of Indianapolis, and they were fine oh, and right we on. went back to the original vision of allowing families in there during certain time periods Perfect. how do you guys keep control of the clientele that goes in because again you guys have been around the bar has been around for so long there are other bars in the city that you know have had a long run of success but next thing you know there's a lot of police runs a couple fights same in broad ripple too yep. same in broad ripple how do you guys keep control of everybody there we decided to be really good at what we are, which is a blues club and a good restaurant. So our target uh, market is probably a little bit older clientele. We don't get a lot of the younger folks in there that sometimes may be attributed to some of those issues. Uh, so it's a pretty calm place. Uh, I've, I've only heard of a handful of fights ever in the building. Uh, some of the longtime veterans will tell you some stories from way, way back, but it's sure. a ver pretty calm crowd. They just want to hear good music and have good food and have a good time. So we really are lucky that their guests that come in there respect the place. Do any artists that perform, not necessarily at the Noodle, but like even bigger artists that kind of go to Gambridge or, or Ruoff, do they ever stop by and get on stage? you have like surprise special guests sometimes that you weren't expecting? We haven't yet, but they have in the past. They've oh, had sure. a lot of great artists in the past. Dan Aykroyd's played there a couple of times. Yeah. I've heard rumors that Billy Joel came in once when he was in town. Uh, so there was a long list of folks that have stopped through there. So we're hoping to continue that, whether it's artists yeah. from the lawn or from Gambridge, that they stop by and hang out for a little bit. So this Saturday is the inaugural Red, White, 
and Blues event. Uh, this is the first time. Uh, the Noodle normally doesn't do these types of deals, but this is like an all-day blues uh, festival, food and drinks and live music. Tell me about it. So, uh, typically in July, downtown Indianapolis is a little bit slower time period, so we just want to drive some more traffic down. So, yeah. we picked three of our biggest bands that have the best draw for us and decided to have an all-day festival. So, we thought it'd be great to have a cookout and kind of title it Red, White, and Blues. So, families can come out, folks can come out. We'll have the grill going with hot dogs, burgers, and pulled pork. Uh, Rebecca and Joe's our first band. They're an acoustic duo that she's got she's a great voice. Yeah, I've seen awesome. her perform. She's been by when we've had Radiothon before and oh, uh, performed right. a song, and she's amazing. Yeah, she's a beautiful voice and just a sweet person. And then our second artist will be Zach Day, younger guy, great guitarist, does some traditional blues, some rock and roll. He'll get a little mainstream of stuff, but he puts on a great show. And then our headliner is The Elect, which is probably one of the funnest bands that comes through the noodle. They are just a fun party band, and they'll mix everything up. They do some blues, they do some dance stuff, they do some rock, they do it all. They're just a great band. And is this something where you can buy tickets in advance? Can you buy tickets at the door the day of? How does that work? The best part, there's no cover charge, no tickets. It Excellent. Is open to the public and free. Free is one of our favorite words, so it's a free concert for everybody. That is amazing. Have you guys been able to keep staff? Because one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is, man, you look around pretty much every major city, we're hiring. You know, now hiring is all over the place. Do you guys have a lot of uh, change out, a lot of turn up? I'll tell you what, we really lucked out when we took over the place. There's a lot of veterans that have been there for a long period of time. We've got a day bartender who's going on, I think, 25 years. Wow. Kitchen staff. We have a lady that just uh, celebrated our 29th anniversary there. Our main kitchen manager is 20 years in. So we retained the veteran staff. They were great. They jumped in. They kind of jumped, uh, enjoyed the changes we made. Yeah, and well, been great. I think that's a, yeah, it's a reflection of management. A lot of times, some of these places, some of the bars or restaurants have horrible management, and that's why see such a, a, a lot of turnover yeah. in some of yes. those types of venues. Yeah, that kind of just reflects a, a positively on on you guys, which have been around the game a long time, local owners uh, taking over an iconic brand in this city. Yeah, we're lucky that my partner Jason and I both will, will take the trash out, we'll run food, we'll wait tables, we'll do whatever just to jump in and help those folks out. We've realized we've got a great team there and we want to support them, so we jump in and help out wherever we can, and we're blessed that they've worked hard for us and they're continuing to do a good job. So you don't anticipate bar rescue coming no. by anytime soon. That's what you're telling me. John Taffer's not going to tap hope you on we the never get to Sean, that point. take the trash out, Sean. You're just standing around, Sean. <laughs> Love bar rescue. All I, right, uh, one more time. Uh, tell us about Red, White, and Blues this weekend. So this Saturday, July 22nd, the doors open at 2 p.m. First band goes on at 3 o'clock. we got Rebecca and Joe, Zach Day, the elect. We'll have uh, great uh, cocktails out there with Jameson Winston. Absolute, Malibu, mm, uh, Big Wave, Arcona Big Wave, Budweiser Products. The grill will be going with hot dogs, burgers, pulled pork. Lots of great fun. Uh, just a great day. The weather's going to be perfect. Hopefully yeah, it stays that way. Nice. So should be a great day in downtown Indy. Sean Lotheridge, Slippery Noodle Inn. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. So, Hammer, the select sub, they call it the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, uh, heard testimony earlier today, 
And <laughs> there was some irony there at the beginning because this specific session of the weaponization was government censorship, government colluding with big tech to suppress uh, various stories heading up to the 2020 election, including Hunter Biden's laptop. And to cancel certain people's views from being put out there. And one of those people was Robert Kennedy Jr. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in just a moment, but this this is where we're at right now with our government. This is exactly where we're at. The censorship committee meeting today began with Debbie Wasserman Schultz <laughs> wanting to censor somebody's point of view, and that someone was Robert Kennedy Jr. Point of order pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2, which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we remove into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on the, on the motion to table. So the irony of having a hearing <laughs> about censorship start off with somebody wanting to censor somebody did not go unnoticed by a number of different members of this committee, including Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Wow. The irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle. It's deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. <laughs> this is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort, with a formal motion from the other side of the aisle to censor Mr. Kennedy. They do not want him to speak, yet that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. A collusion between the government and private organizations. And it's pretty rich, too, that Wasserman Schultz is accusing RFK of making some sort of weird statement about vaccines that that considers anti-Semitic. It was some sort of wonky thing that he said when Congresswoman Jayapal, Pramela Jayapal, told a group of protesters that Israel are a bunch of racists, which (laughs) isn't in itself an anti-Semitic thing to say. I mean, she's a known anti-Semite. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The meeting about censorship, the Democrats, no, 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 there's no online censorship. They begin the meeting with trying to censor (laughs) RFK Jr. Now, we've got a couple different uh, clips here. RFK Jr. was fired up. Now, as always, when we play audio of RFK Jr., you got to just understand his voice is what it is, right? He can't help it. It is what it is. But the message of what he's saying, if you can focus on that, is pretty strong. If the views that you and others have applied to me, I've attributed to me, if they were actually true, I can see why I shouldn't be able to testify here today. Those are not true. These are defamations and malignancies that are used to censor me to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. And I think, ranking member, that we should have a real conversation rather than an exchange of ad hominem attacks. So that was just the beginning. This was like a five-minute rebuttal to a lot of the nonsense that was being thrown at RFK Jr. Now, don't get it twisted. I am not somebody that is just 
in love with RFK Jr. Yeah. Some of the things yeah. he says, all right. Some of the things, absolutely not. At the end of the day, he's still a Kennedy Democrat. And he has a right to say them. Bingo. That's all this was about today. Now, this is a little bit longer of a clip, but I want you to stay with me on this. Here he is talking about uh, censorship coming from some of his friends in big tech. The term malinformation was going to describe information that Facebook and Twitter and the other social media sites understood was true, but that the White House and other federal agencies wanted censored anyway for political reasons because it challenged official orthodoxies. I'll give you one example. I was included in a group called the Disinformation Dozen. Mm-hmm. And, and Facebook and others were asked to censor us, which they did. And by the way, my whole Instagram account with 900,000 people was taken down. Facebook knew that the disinformation doesn't claim. And what they said, the disinformation doesn't came from this very shady group called the Center for Preventing Digital Hate in England that is funded by dark money that should be looked into. They claim that 65% of the vaccine misinformation on the internet was generated by those 12 people. Facebook itself said that is impossible. That is false information. We know that not to be true. And yet, when the White House asked them to censor this disinformation doesn't, including me, they did it anyway when they knew it to be untrue. And the more I listen to stories like this, and there are other people that have stories similar to this, Nige, I wonder if Elon Musk never purchased Twitter, how bad would it be right now? Like, would our Twitter account have been taken down? Would folks from WIBC's Twitter account been taken down because one political side doesn't like our opinion? Would we still have our blue check mark? Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I've been thinking about that. Like, I want to support Elon Musk because I appreciate what he's done. But at the same time, man, (laughs) I just don't want to pay for the check mark. I don't need the check mark, especially when anybody can. It doesn't mean anything anymore. If Joe Schmo that has six followers can buy a blue check mark, then no thanks. But with that you also get a little bit more reach. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that we put out has the reach uh, limited. So that's one of the reasons why I'm a little on the fence about it, still trying to figure it out. Uh, One more clip here from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Here he is talking about how YouTube canceled him, basically, and then his friends, his colleagues, his fellow Democrats, basically gave him a middle finger. YouTube deplatformed me. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that be, could be was a verboten subject. I just was talking about my campaign and things, the conversation that we ought to be having with each other as Americans. But I was shut down. And that is why the First Amendment's important. Debate, congenial, respectful debate, is the is the fertilizer it's the water it's the sunlight for our democracy we need to be talking to each other now there this is a letter that many of you signed many of my fellow democrats i've spent my life in this party i've devoted my life to the values of this party there's 102 people signed this this itself is evidence of the problem that this hearing was convened to address 102 
of his fellow Democrats signed this letter condemning the views from RFK Jr. Now, the other person speaking at this event today was uh, our pal Emma Jo Morris. Yeah, she's a Breitbart, uh, the political editor there. We're trying to get her on, I believe, next Friday. But yeah, she testified today. She, of course, is the one that was reporting when she worked for the New York Post and reported on Hunter Biden's laptop from hell. She broke the story. And then next thing you know, all hell broke broke loose where the New York Post, they were locked out of their social media accounts. All of the links were taken down from social media. Here is friend of the show, Emma Jo Morris. However, the stories were not based on hacked materials, nor were they Russian disinformation. And despite those claims appearing to come out of thin air at the time, we would eventually learn that they actually didn't come out of thin air at all. On October 19th, five days after the Post began publishing, Politico ran a story headlined, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former Intel officials say. God, I can't even say that with a straight face, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Politico printed a letter completely uncritically from veteran members of the U.S. intelligence community falsely claiming that the Post expose has, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Most notable among the signatories of that letter were Jim Clapper from former DNI, Michael Hayden, former CIA, John Brennan, former CIA. Yeah, all these CIA guys signed some letter that said the laptop was hacked and it was Russian disinformation when they knew all along it was all true and nothing of the sort about being Russian disinformation was even remotely the truth. They knew it before. And this is what I'm saying here. This is what this is collusion with government agencies, FBI, CIA, uh, going to, uh, you know, Google, going to Facebook, going to Twitter, colluding with them to suppress stories that that could have had an outcome uh, that could have changed the outcome of the 2020 election. And the folks at the top of the food chain, whether it be the Biden administration, the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, they felt confident. They felt bulletproof. They could go to these companies and say, hey, why don't you go ahead and do this and don't worry about it. Nobody's going to get us in trouble anyway. Now, fast forward to this year, three years later. Just last spring, House investigators revealed it was a call by now Secretary of State Antony Blinken to former acting CIA Director Michael Morell that prompted the spy letter published by Politico, which bypassed agency approval processes that would have been normally applied. It is also now known that ahead of my reporting, federal agencies were priming social media companies to execute an operation to discredit it. According to internal documents released by Elon Musk upon his acquisition of Twitter, the FBI and other intelligence community members essentially directed the platform censorship operation in part externally by working with top management and in part internally by social media companies hiring eye-popping numbers of agency alumni. Journalist Michael Schallenberger reported, based on documents he obtained from Musk, that during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Twitter executives to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. Feds arranged for top secret security clearances to be granted to Twitter management and even had encrypted messaging networks set up, which they dubbed a virtual war room. 
to this day, hundreds of people from the intelligence community work at social media companies. I mean, like if you said that to somebody wow. a couple years ago, you have a tinfoil hat on. But now it's all there. And there are receipts. Emma Joe doesn't come to a conversation without receipts. She's got all the information. She there. killed it today for sure. We'll talk to her in a week about her testimony. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Let's Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Let's do some booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. Alright, Hammer, you're gonna have to help me out with this one a little bit. I'm I'm not sure wh- what this is. Twisted tea, the, the hard iced tea, twisted tea is making a wax for guys to wax their backs this summer. <laughs> you seem like you've got it pretty much <laughs> understood. Hear, please help me help me with this because I, I, I guess I, they're getting out of the alcohol business and getting into the back wax no, business. No, 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 no. They're continuing to make their twisted tea, okay. but they have an online store where you can buy a number of different items from twisted tea. You could buy a hat. You could buy a beach towel, or you could buy wax that you can put on and helps shave your ridiculously hairy back. <laughs> okay, uh, first of all, I don't have a hairy back. I got hairy chest, but I don't have much hair. What about hairy legs? <laughs> I turn blonde in, in the, the sun. sun. But this is a real thing. I thought it was a <laughs> troll thing at first. And I'm looking at their website here. Uh, Twisted Tea is launching the world's first ever hard iced tea inspired hair removal system, Twisted Tea Back Wax. <laughs> Complete with ready-to-use hair removal strips and all the instructions you need for optimal waxing. It's available on a limited-time basis the next few weeks at the Twisted Tea who, online who, store. Who's going to do this for you? Because you can't wax your own back. You're going to need some help, right? Yeah. That's... I mean, you, like, tell you what, you find somebody to wax your back, you put a <laughs> ring on it, and you love them for the rest of your life. That's what you do right there. Um, you know what my wife loves to do? She doesn't. I don't have. I don't have a hairy back, but she loves to clean out my ears. Is that weird or what? She like loves to get gross. in there. Like I had, I got like a lake uh, thing with my ear the other day. And she got in there. She, she's got all these tools because she she works in in, in medical and uh, and like she gets deep in there, and she and she cleans me out. Feels good. I've had she likes uh, to pop my pimples too on my. I've back. had Crystal take that thing where you jam it up your nose and rip out all the nose hairs before. I kind of lost a bet with that one. Though. Oh, that's not, I've never heard of that. Sounds painful. Oh, it was. It was absolutely <laughs> painful. Which brings us to great moments in wax history here on the Hammer and Nigel wax Show. Wax history. Ladies and gentlemen, the Karate Kid. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax hey. on. Wax on, wax on. Hey. Wax hey. on. Hey. 
Wax off. Concentrate. Wax on. Wax off. And of course, you can't have great moments in wax history without that scene in the 40-year-old virgin. So ready? Yeah. It's me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just your job. Huh? Just stop no, 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 no. Sweetie Pie Hulk! Como se llama? No! Kelly Clarkson! Great moments in wax history exclusively oh, here wow. on The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! So like you heard uh, Harrison Silcox mention at the top of the hour there, our Vice President Kamala Harris was in it. Wait a minute. What's the non-racist way to say her name? Because aren't you a racist if you say her name or something? If you say Kamala, you're a racist or maybe a wrestling fan. And if you say Kamala, you're a racist or a Tucker fan. I think you're just supposed to say Borders are. (laughs) Uh, Borders are Kamala Harris was in... (laughs) Andy today, a keynote speaker at that uh, social action convention downtown with the uh, traditionally uh, black sorority that, um, yeah, I've been seeing them for the past couple of days uh, walking around down here. Large presence down here. And you heard a little bit from the news and her message was about book banning today. Book banning. Okay. Really? We're back to that old canard. We're back to that. All the stuff happening in the world, all the stuff happening in the country, all the things happening here in Indiana. And this is the hill that you want to die on. And the angle she was playing was that these schools don't want to teach about slavery. No, that's not true at all. And as a matter of fact, Kamala, I'll give you a dollar. I've got a dollar in my wallet right now. I was saving it for the vending machine, but if you're still in Indy, you can come by the radio station and pick it up. I'll give you a dollar if you can come in here and tell me which book has been banned, and if it's been (laughs) removed from a child's library, what was it about? What was in it? And if you can give me that information, this whole dollar bill will be yours. I'm a little upset that I didn't get a chance to stream the speech, Nodge. Yeah. Because normally when Kamala Harris speaks, it's such a well-oiled machine. It's very thought out. In no way is there any sort of ridiculous type of answers or things of that nature. You know what? As a matter of fact, since we're all in the mood here, let's have the best of Kamala Harris. Oh, please. This is when the borders are. Kamala Harris was comparing January 6th to Pearl Harbor and 9-11. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941. What an insult. September 11th, 2001. And January 6th, 2021. What a complete insult to the victims of Pearl Harbor and 9-11, comparing January 6th to where the only person that died was a unarmed veteran that was shot at point-blank range. 
And the way that she speaks is so condescending. Like she told this one astronaut story. Like she's trying to be like she's speaking to a group of adults here, not a group of kindergartners. Listen to Kamala Harris talk about astronauts. Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. They suited up. They waved to their families. And they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's so boring. You know what that reminded me of? And we've pointed this out before, but I think it bears repeating. If you've seen the movie Billy Madison, Mrs. Lippy, who's yeah. reading the story, The Puppy Who Lost Its Way. <laughs> Which brings me to May 30th, 2020. One fine morning. <laughs> Bob and Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center. A puppy popped his puppy paws out of his puppy house. They suited up, they waved to their families, and they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. This was no ordinary puppy. (laughs) This puppy was the happiest puppy in the whole world. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel. They gave Happy a kiss on his wet little puppy nose. And then they launched. Yeah, they did. (laughs) The end. It's the same story. It's the same cadence, right? It's the same person, the same mentality. (laughs) And last but certainly not least, let's do a little word salad montage of Kamala Harris in honor of her visit today. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. (laughs) Every day it is time for us to agree. I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. What is a country in Europe? It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. <laughs> Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade Look a at smaller Allison's country face. called Ukraine. So basically <laughs> that's wrong. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. And I haven't been to Europe. (laughs) We must together, work together, to see where we are, where we are headed, where we are going, and our vision for where we should be, but also see it as a moment, yes, to together address the challenges. Based on what we've just been able to see, and because we've seen it or not, doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but just (laughs) limited to what we have seen. Put me out of my misery. Fine. The borders are. You want me to put you out of your misery? Yes. I can do that. Please. Let's check in with Wheeler Dealing, Hair Sniffing, Kiss Stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Happy birthday, dear Valerie. 
Kajan, Kajan, Katanji drowned Jackson. <laughs> he just he gave he gave right up on that <laughs> that last clip of pronouncing the uh, Supreme Court justice's name. Just gave up. Just uh, forget about it. Katanji dread Jackson. Did I catch a drown in there somewhere? <laughs> uh, speaking in Philadelphia earlier today, Joe Biden says inflation is at the lowest point in two years. It's the lowest point in inflation, the lowest point in over two years. Yeah, but under your watch, it also got to the highest. So the real reality here, if you want to do fact check type of stuff, is that since Joe Biden took office, prices are up 16.6% and inflation still much higher than the Fed's target rate. So maybe you pump the brakes a little bit on that victory tour. You know, I just noticed I filled up the other day. Gas is still pretty high. Gas sucks. It wasn't where it was, you know, $5 a gallon, but it's higher than it was before Biden took office for sure. I mean, they emptied out the strategic oil reserves, the petroleum reserves, and it's going to take decades for them to refill that thing because he wanted to lower gas prices. Well, hope you enjoyed that two weeks where gas was 50 cents cheaper. During the midterms, mind you. Yeah. Uh, Good thing for you, Nige, is that according to Joe Biden, uh, wage is up for workers. At the same time, pay for low-wage workers has gone up at a faster pace in over two decades. Wages are growing faster than inflation. That's completely wrong. That's a total lie. That's completely false. Wages are down 3% since Biden took office, and real wages have been down every single month since the stimulus plan about 24 months ago. And then this was my favorite part of the speech where Joe Biden, he's really trying to be passionate. He wants everybody to know he's not old. He's not senile. He's still got his fastball. Here he is talking about the middle class. Middle class was built by the middle class. Middle class was built (laughs) by the middle class. Can I hear that one more time, please, Allison? Middle class was built by the middle class. Okay, thank you very much. And then afterwards, you see they started playing Hail to the Chief after the speech was over, and he had no clue how to get off that stage. Biden has never been on a stage that he knew how to get off of. He just looked around for at least 30 seconds for somebody to tell him where to go. You would think his staff members at this point... You have to do two things, right? Make sure there's nothing on the teleprompter he's going to read out loud and tell him how to get off the stage. Those are the two things that you have to do, but nobody ever gets it right. End of quote. Repeat the line. (laughs) Amber and Nigel presents is It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run a couple different stories by you. You break down all the information. You tell us if the story is anything or not. Is this anything? Some gray-haired Karen was upset that her neighbors were having a party, so she did what any rational older woman would do. She stormed out to the street, started kicking a car. Then she went to the house, (laughs) kicked the front door, and punched a window screen. And oh, by the way, the party was happening in the middle of the daytime. She just kicked the car. This party is illegal. It is not. illegal in I'm having friends over. That's bull****. And you're kicking my door. You're crazy. That's bull****. 
Nice. I'm going to sue you for the damages there, too. <laughs> yeah, that's something that's awful. I always hear these things. And I think, thank God I have the neighbors I have because I don't have problems like maybe, maybe you do, for instance, Hammer, uh, or, or some of these other pieces of audio that we've played. I, I just I couldn't imagine anybody. That she was kicking the guy's door. Yeah, freaking the car out. door totally melting down. And uh, there was the party was in the middle of the day. Right. This I wasn't like it was imagine. one o'clock in the morning or anything. Okay. What ring doorbell audio was better? That the gray-haired Karen upset at her neighbors for having a party in the middle of the day, or this ring doorbell footage that caught a Jimmy John's delivery guy urinating oh. right outside their front door. They asked him about it, he admitted it, and then he handed the food over like it was nothing. Hello, master. Did you hear that? Did he say he listen, peed on himself? Listen. Hello, master. <laughs> I peed on myself. Here's your turkey, Tom. No. <laughs> Keep which, the turkey, Tom. Which, which ring doorbell is better? Hello, master. I don't know. I'm going with the Karen, though. <laughs> the Karen lady, though, in the middle of the daytime, <sighs> kicking somebody's door <sighs> and car and trying to smash a window. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Is this anything? A new food hack has people ordering their drive through French fries in a cup so it can easily go in your car's cup oh holder as you drive and have nice, easy access to the fries. Could I do a large fry, but could I get it in a large cup, please? Awesome. Thank you. It'll go right in the cup holder. Perfect right there. Oh, yeah. You're a real Einstein, dude. He's the next Bill Gates. You order French fries and put them in a cup so they'll fit in the cup holder in your car. You should apply it SpaceX. You seem pretty negative against this. I think I'm on board with it, actually. I'm just saying that's the kind of... What kind of content we get on TikTok? Hey, you're going to order some french fries. I order them in a cup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A real genius. I'm not mad at the guy. You can be salty all you want. I'm not not mad at him. I'm just like, is that some big discovery? (laughs) That's it. You know. Well, maybe it is. I don't know if many people do that. Uh, Let's be honest. We all eat fries if you get some. You've probably had some when you've driven and now it sits right there next to the drink you got your fries there it's a lot I mean, easier this, yeah, this guy's really smart i'm not i'm not he's right up there with oppenheimer and elon musk <laughs> is this anything a massachusetts woman who doesn't drive anymore but loves mowing her lawn bought herself a john deere mower for her 97th oh. birthday here the old bag is talking about the mower Jeez. i'm on that tractor every day whether the grass needs cutting or not. I go around and check, and when I see it, I cut it. The yard keeps me busy. I don't like to do housework. I had a push mower, but I was a younger girl. I could push that. But now, forget it. I've always I'm owned with her. John okay, Deere. I'm with I her. Like I, I, like, I, used to, I used to love mowing the grass when I was a kid. We had a riding lawnmower, though. Pushing sucks. Yes. Uh, well, ever since I've been a homeowner, I've had a push mower. 
past few years we hire out because i just don't have room in my garage for either a riding lawnmower much less a, a push mower and I, I used to love it back in the day we had like a zero turn i'd go out there and just ride it for fun when i went over to my dad's <laughs> on the weekends yeah, there was a video, I think it was Vince Gill, where he got into a fight with the old lady. She took his car keys, but he had his old John Deere and was driving down the bar to go meet up with his buddies. What? Yes, it's an old uh, country music song from Vince Gill. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> John Deere Green, of course, a classic. Yeah, the late, great Joe Diffie, if yes. I'm not mistaken. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My energy-efficient window nation windows save me tons on energy bills. They added value to my house. And look, if you're thinking about new windows and you've got those cracked, drafty windows that are letting the hot air through, time is now to call Window Nation. You can save thousands today. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years. Plus, they're going to give you two free windows with every two you buy. That's an exclusive deal only from Window Nation. How about this for a deal? Check this out. Zero, zero, zero. Zero money down. Zero payments, zero interest for two years. And that is on top of the existing deal where you buy two windows and you get two for free. And there's no limit, and you can pick any style that you want. 866-90-NATION. That's 866-90-NATION. Or go to windownation.com. Tom Hammer and Nigel sent you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Real quick, I just want to play this clip for you, Hammer, of Joe Rogan and his theory, his um, suggestion that Bill Clinton was blackmailed by Jeffrey Epstein. You remember the picture hanging up in Jeffrey Epstein's apartment oh, in yeah. New York? They creepy picture. Very creepy picture uh, of Bill Clinton. This was you know, an artist rendering Right, Bill Clinton sitting on a couch wearing the Monica Lewinsky dress, the blue dress, the infamous blue dress with the. If you you know put a black light over it, you would see some some. We some know stains. the dress. You yes. know the dress, right? So, <laughs> so, so Rogan's theory is that Clinton was being blackmailed, and that was you know his way, Epstein's way of reminding Clinton that um, hey, I got I got the goods on you. Why do you think Epstein had that giant painting of Bill Clinton in a dress in his foyer? Dude. Do you know that picture? Yeah. That painting? Epstein's taste in art was not great. Like, if you look at the <laughs> shit. That was great. That, that, that painting is like, I got you, bitch. That's what that is. Oh, right. You got a president who was on the flight logs 26 times with Epstein, and you got that guy in a dress in your house. I got you, bitch. Interesting. Some high profile people, some rich, mega famous people got away with what, you know, the next thing worse than murder is pedophilia. Uh, you know, we've got Epstein's dead, we've got his pimp. His, the the woman that procured the talent, so to speak, Elaine Maxwell. Elaine Maxwell behind bars. We have uh, witness testimony of girls that were taken advantage of and abused. But you know what we don't have? 
the people that participated in uh, whatever went down there on Pervert Island. The people that actually had relations with underage people down in that island, they got away with it. They got away with it. Ghislaine Maxwell right now is locked up for sex trafficking to no one, if you think about it. And... Again, I'm not trying to take you down tinfoil hat avenue here, but... I like it. James Comey's daughter, Lincoln Lyon, James Comey's daughter, was the prosecutor in the case against Ghislaine Maxwell. Not the defense, but the prosecutor. And they requested that the list get sealed up. So I'm hoping if somebody that's a Republican wins the presidential race in 2024, whether that's Trump, whether that's DeSantis, whoever, unseal that and let's find out who these perverts are. If it's Republicans, I don't care. If it's Democrats, I don't care. If it's both of them, lock them up. Lock these horrible bastards up for as long as you can, because it's ridiculous that these people have gotten away with it so far. Uh, I take it that you did not win the Powerball last night, Nige? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even buy a ticket. Why do you say that? Do you think I wouldn't come to work the next? First of all, if I won the lottery, nobody would know about it. I would remain anonymous. Now, you might, you know, have your suspicions once I buy a 50,000 square foot mansion. <laughs> but I'd be still coming to work. But I just wouldn't, I would not, I would be one of those anonymous people. Uh, the winning Powerball ticket, $1.8 billion, uh, was sold at a mini mart in Los Angeles. So one person was sold the ticket. Wow. See? Now, I didn't know this, but if you own the place where the winning ticket is sold, you get a million bucks. So the Mini Mart gets a million. Yeah, the owner of that Mini Mart in L.A. got a million bucks. A billion dollars. What do you think would tick people off more, Nige, if you found out the winner of the Powerball, the billion dollars from Los Angeles, was either LeBron James, (laughs) who's got a lot of money already, or O.J.? What would tick people off more oh, if you OJ. found out that they won the Powerball? First of all, rich people, do rich people buy lottery tickets anymore? I don't think billionaires already buy lottery tickets, but OJ's, you know, had his fair share of money problems, I'm sure. Would that money go to the Goldman family? Like, yes. I don't know what yes. the deal is. So maybe Absolutely. that would be a, a blessing if the juice won the Powerball. I'm going to play you a piece of audio here. Have you heard the LSU professor that is completely losing his mind on a voicemail to a Louisiana state senator? Have you heard this? No. So, Louisiana state senator is a guy who goes by the name of Big Mike. Mike Fessy is his name. He voted to override the governor in Louisiana on a bill that would ban child sex changes. So, basically, the House... Of Louisiana, their state house said, We're going to ban surgery for minors to change their sex. Mm-hmm. The governor said, Veto. But much like Indiana, in Louisiana, the house can override the governor. And this was led by Big Mike. So he had the veto, they overrode the governor. No sex surgeries for minors are taking place in Louisiana. And this was the voicemail from an LSU professor named Marcus Venerable to (laughs) State Senator Mike Fessy. I just wanted to say congratulations to our State Senator, Big Mike Fessy, and that f***ing moron.
moron voted to make things worse for people who are already suffering. You fat f***ing piece of s***. You did not produce any goddamn evidence to support the claims you made about people being harmed by transgender care. Yet we have tons of empirical evidence showing that it's an increased suicide risk when people don't get this care. So you, you big fat-headed motherfucker, I can't wait to read your name in the f***ing obituary. I will make a goddamn martini made from the tears of butthurt conservatives when we put your f***ing ass in the ground. You fat useless piece of you. I hope you have a terrible day. It's a well thought out rational take from a college professor. Oh man, I love the liberal tears on this. Yeah, kind of against kids getting sex change surgeries. I mean, if you want to if after you're 18 years old you want to get your crank lopped off fine but you know i don't care if the parents it's not a parent's rights thing as far as i'm concerned whether or not you want your kids to have what if my parents decided they wanted my 11 year old to drink alcohol well it's the best thing we really as parents we have a right to let our kid drink alcohol no they'd be arrested they go to jail well, look, my uh, ten-year-old says that um, he, he wants to be a girl, so we're going to have we have sex change operation. No, that should be illegal as well. That's disgusting. It's abhorrent. But a college professor, I know, yeah, whose number was traced after the uh, senator uh, had the well, authorities check it out. Yeah, there was an availed death threat in there, if I'm not mistaken. I hope to see your name in the obituary soon, or something like that, right? Imagine paying so much money to send your kid to LSU. You're getting the full experience, right? Fun football games. You got a good baseball team, a crazy campus. People like to party. It's the SEC. But then you find out you get stuck with Professor Venerable, (laughs) and he melts down all the time. And this brings us to great moments in angry voicemail history. Wow. Remember when the pro-life center got... Burned to the ground by angry leftists. This was after the overturning, uh, basically, of Roe. Yeah, sure. The DOJ really didn't care much about those instances at all. No, these were the voicemails that came out after the pro-life center was torched and burnt to the ground. Hi, I'm calling because I read about the fire in your building. And I'm calling because I'm curious if it was arson or rather the good Lord showing you an example of hell and where you belong for being such a misogynistic bitch. Thanks for uh, basically going out there daily and making sure that women can't have control over their own bodies. And I'm so thankful that the good Lord finally took action on people like you. You're gonna burn as well. You're all gonna burn. Yeah, I just learned about you ignorant, simple, sick, waste of scum because of the fire. And whoever said that fire is a true American patriot. You people are just utter filth of the planet. And it's too bad your whore mothers didn't abort each and every last one of you. Well, Hopefully you all get cancer, suffer immensely, and are dead before the end of the year. For the betterment of all of humanity, you self-absorbed waste of human scum and filth. Burn, little Jesus freaks. Burn, burn, burn. Oh. 
Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. These these bombings and these 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 Molotov cocktails and the vandalism of these crisis pregnancy centers around the country after Roe v. Wade just doesn't make any sense. I don't think they understand what these centers do. They help confused girls try to decide what to do and how to move on and give them options and say, hey, look, you know, this is uh, you do what you want here, but here's they're helping pregnant women. I think it's you cute know? you're trying to rationalize. I know, with this death cult. To, to the, these lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great moments in angry voicemail history. This was a crazy story from Alaska, where a popular news anchor found out that her boyfriend was cheating on her and left this voicemail. Ethan, it's Maria Athens from Fox ABCCW News Net National Alaska. Uh, I just learned through my uh, Emmy Award winning journalism, you are also a pedophile in like little girls and children. And there's a website. I'm so fing exposing you. I'm going to get an Emmy. So you either turn yourself in, kill yourself, or do what you need to do. I will personally kill you and Mara Kimmel, my damn self, you Jewish piece oh. of living fing you have met your match, mother You have met your mother match. I can't believe I am such a good person and thought I loved you. I hate, I don't even hate you. I will pray for your Zionist ass, you piece of loser. And I'm putting this on the news tonight. Bye. Have a great Friday, you mother did I hear a Jew blast in there as well? I think well? you heard a couple of them in there, wow. to be honest. That was a news anchor? Yes. She was let go shortly Bra- thereafter. Bravo. Uh, great moments in angry voicemail history. It's one of our favorites on the Hammer and Nigel show. The guy from Texas who was ticked off that Jimmy Dean stopped making the big size of the sausage. And you got three men that weigh over 200 pounds apiece, <laughs> a woman that's a little plump, and a daughter who's 13, and you're going to try to take a 12 12- 12-ounce roll of sausage and feed that, it ain't going to work. And as far as your 16-ounce of maple and sage, I don't eat that. I'm not from the north. I'm a Texas man, and I'm not going to buy two of those 12-ounce packages just because you want to downsize and charge the same goddamn price. Son of a Somebody needs their ass kicked. That's a hell of a way to end a vicious voice. You know, I used to do this bit. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go back in the archives and... Uh, when I was doing afternoons on this radio signal uh, back in the early 2000s, when it was Radio Now 93.1, I had a segment called Vicious Voicemails. Oh. And what I'd do is I'd have callers call me with their uh, their telephone number, and then they I, I could get into their voicemail. They'd give me the code to get into their voicemail, and i say, look, if you have a jilted lover, if you have a psycho ex-wife or husband or a boss that left you a crazy, vicious voicemail, I want to hear it. I'm going to play it on the air. I would have tons of calls every day. We need to bring that back. So, uh, so let me, yeah, I'll figure out a way. At least we could get going with some archival audio. I know I have a ton of those. Uh, that sounds like a yeah. good time. Yeah, let's see if you can find have those to, uh, and my, let's bring the, it back. The only thing my boss made me do is modify the audio of the voicemail, the person that's leaving the voicemail. Right, so we don't kind of know who they are, and people don't recognize their voice. How the hell we could have Alvin <laughs> redo them? <laughs> right, right, of course. All right, last one here. Another last, one, but certainly not least, great moments in angry voicemail history. This is a ticked-off Hammer and Nigel listener. Quit spewing bullshit, untruths, crap. 
There's a reason that you work in Indianapolis, a low-market, piddly little town, man, because you don't have any brains or talent. Your partner's from Lisbon? Wow. <laughs> He's got a good worldview. Sometimes I think you f***ing losers have never left this, this state. <laughs> oh, my God. Nigel and Hammer Show. <laughs> Is this anything? <laughs> you guys are f***ing losers, man. Go f*** yourselves. Yeah. Great moments <laughs> and angry voicemail history. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, okay, I have not clicked on this email from our boss, David, yet. The headline is, Colts introduce new Indiana Knights alternate uh, alternate uniform for 2023. So, a new Colts uniform. Let yes, sir. Click on this here. Tell me what you think. Uh, scroll down here. Oh, that's awesome. I kind of like it. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, so, inspired by the blue and black of the Indiana night skies, the new uniform features an unprecedented bold black helmet design and a first-of-its-kind blue heathered jersey. I retweeted uh, this earlier, so if you go to I our Twitter feed and scroll all the way down, probably about eight or nine tweets down, uh, you'll see the jerseys and... Normally, when teams roll out with these alternate or city uniforms, it's hit or miss. I actually kind of like these ones. I don't want to see them all the time. I like the classic white with the blue horseshoe. But for one game or maybe a couple of games, I think that's kind of cool. They will. The team will uh, will debut the new uniforms home game October twenty second against the Browns. So, are you on board with that? Absolutely. I think it looks all right. Dateline, Florida. A woman in Florida was arrested after stealing a fire truck and trying to convince a police officer that she was indeed a volunteer firefighter. (laughs) She was charged with grand theft and impersonating a firefighter, which I didn't know was a actual charge. This kind of reminds me of that one 911 call, and we played this before, where this drunk woman, I think she was in Ohio, she, <laughs> this call went viral because she drunk dialed 911 uh, looking for a hot fireman. Hello? Hi, Port Clinton Police. Yes, I need the fire department, please, because my is on fire. I need to make sure that is a wagon. Hello? Is there a hose working? What is on fire? I need the fire department because my is on fire and I need somebody to come put it out with their hose. Okay, I need the um, address. Hangs up. Calls back. Oh, no. Hi, Port Clinton Police. I'm at Courtney Lolly's house. And I need them to come put my booty out because it is on fire. Where's Courtney Lolly live? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Hammer and uh, Nigel yes. Show. Hammer. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
Tucker and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Old man Grassley. Senator Chuck Grassley, uh, Iowa, right? Yes. He's got to be late 80s. I was going to say 114. <laughs> but he's doing some good work in this Hunter Biden, you know, slash Biden crime family thing. You know, he, him and uh, is it Comer that are leading this this charge, this oversight committee, it just released this FBI bombshell, this informant from the FBI, this file that describes a $10 million bribery allegation against President Biden and his son, Hunter. Just released it today. Basically says, showing that a, a Ukrainian oligarch claimed that uh, he was coerced into making this $10 million payment. And it's out there for anyone to read. I think we retweeted it earlier today. Scroll through our Twitter feed. You can find it. But if you have any sort of social media, you can find this. It's an FD-1023 form in which Chuck Grassley acquired uh, via legally protected and disclosed sources from the Justice Department whistleblowers. This is according to Grassley's office here. Now, some of the stuff involved here is what we knew already, but now you can officially see it yeah. in its official yeah, form it process. It basically says the, the, the owner of Burisma, that gas company that Hunter was on board with, told the FBI informant in 2016, they were at some coffee shop in Vienna, that it, quote, will cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to pay another Biden. That's, uh, that's pretty damning. But the thing is, and we played audio earlier of the testimony taking place on censorship. We played the audio yesterday of the IRS whistleblowers. Hell, old man Grassley released the document for everyone to read and for everyone to see earlier today. You know what's going to happen next? Nothing. You know what? I mean, it's on tape. We have audio of Joe Biden uh, when he was vice president saying that he was going to fire the Ukraine prosecutor that was investigating Burisma Holdings. And you know what? They fired him. And he was bragging about it. He was bragging about it. Big guy doing big guy things. But as we've said... It's fun to talk about this stuff. We've got great audio of zingers and one-liners and heat. But until the Republicans start putting people in jail, start passing out some indictments, start sending people to jail for lying under oath and perjury, all of this is just theater. All of this is just political theater. I like what Comer and Grassley are doing. I really do. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here, but... Look at all of the stuff they've got on the Bidens. How many indictments and how many people are in jail and all this kind of stuff? Very little. So I don't have my hopes high that this is going to lead to anything. The Republicans have to not only have the hearings, but they have to have the action after the hearings. Joe Biden has publicly said that he used a billion dollars in U.S. loan guarantees as leverage to force that prosecutor looking into Burisma out of office, which happened in March of 2016. Quote, well, son of a bee, he got fired. This was Biden bragging at some, some event hosted by the Council on Foreign Relations. <laughs> and, now, and now we're hearing... 
that the owner of Burisma is, you know, $5 million to one Biden, five to the other? Grandkids Whoa. are getting payments from overseas oligarchs. Grandkids. I, you know there's some money funneling going on. You've got the paper trail. You've got things on video. You've now got this file. Do something with it. But I've got very little faith that anything will be done. I remember when somebody asked him about that bribery accusation, Biden laughed it off and goes, where's the money? Well, the money is in your grandkids' accounts. Right. It's been laundered and and washed. That's, I mean, like 22 different LLCs or something like that. Right. A web of LLCs for companies that don't do anything other than the fact that they are shells they to exist. launder money. Yeah. His brother was getting money. Hunter was getting money. Uh, daughter-in-laws were getting money. For what? For uh, influence and access. access. You know, Biden was in charge of the, of the Ukraine policy when he was vice president. Earlier today, more action in Capitol Hill. Been a busy couple days of hearings. Uh, Today was the censorship hearing by the Weaponization Committee. And Robert Kennedy Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr., he was there. He claims that he's been censored by big tech. Well, you can't make this kind of stuff up. You really can't. You can only just laugh and shrug your shoulders here because today's hearing on big tech censorship and politicians being canceled kind of got going when Debbie Wasserman Schultz wanted to basically censor and cancel RFK Jr. Point of order pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2 which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we move into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a roll call vote on on the motion to table. So, yes, they were trying to censor a hearing where the Democrats were denying big tech censorship and collusion. Here's Thomas Massey of Kentucky. Wow. The irony and cognitive dissonance from the other side of the aisle. It's deafening. You could cut it with a knife. They are at the same time denying that censorship is occurring, but suggesting that there's more material that needs to be censored. This is a hearing on censorship that began with an effort, with a formal motion from the other side of the aisle to censor Mr. Kennedy. (laughs) They do not want him to speak, yet that is the topic of this hearing. They have kept him from speaking. A collusion between the government and private organizations. What Debbie Debbie Wasserman Schultz did was the equivalent of going to an AA meeting, standing up, popping open a bottle and going, let's get this party started. (laughs) I mean, you can't make this kind of stuff up. And our pal Emma Jo Morris, uh, who originally worked for the New York Post. She broke that story, the laptop from hell story with Hunter Biden. Now she works with Breitbart. Uh, She did a great job on the stand today as well. So if you want to go back and hear any of that, you can find all of those uh, sound bites on your social media feed. Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Hammer Leah Thomas, the transgender swimmer who won the NCAA Division I 
Women's Championship in 22. I think I saw some air quotes there. Yeah, the Leah, of course, a man saying that he's transgender, still has a crank, showers with the girls in the locker room. Defeated Riley Gaines. Yes, yes. Uh, sparked a little bit of criticism. <laughs> more? Uh, yeah, more criticism. After she, again in quotes, was photographed wearing a t-shirt that promotes the left-wing anti-fascist group Antifa, which is a very violent, radical right. left-wing group. Anti-fascist, okay. Yeah, they're, they're exactly the opposite, actually. The shirt read, Antifa Super Soldier. Are you okay with this? No, because this is such a desperate plea for attention. Yeah. Somebody's 15 minutes of fame are probably around 14 minutes and 55 seconds at this point. <laughs> so Leah Thomas is thinking, all right, how can I get back in the spotlight? Let's see. What can I do? Oh, I know. I'll wear an Antifa t-shirt. That'll stir <laughs> the pot just a little bit. This is exactly what it is. It's like when Colin Kaepernick pops up every once in a while. Yeah. He realizes that his time in the spotlight is about over, so he'll come out with something controversial or crazy in places like the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Atlantic. They will carry the water for it, but at the end of the day, it's just crying for attention. This is a big nothing burger. Not okay with it. Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. Two very, they're married, right? They're yes. a couple. Huge country music superstars uh, and have been for years. Garth and Trisha want us to dig deep into our pockets and give to the Ukraine. We stand with Ukraine, especially the refugees. There's a global initiative, and of course, supplies and aid is already spread thin. And this is where you come in. We need your help. We need you to donate. Yeah, I mean, we, we always ask for love and prayers. Please keep doing that. We're also going to ask you, dig in your pockets, be part of the greatest global relief plan mankind has ever seen. Everybody deserves dignity. Everybody deserves a roof over their head to feel safe. You can be a part of that. Yeah, amen. So join us, won't you? Stand up for love. Stand up for mankind. <laughs> Stand, Stand up, up for Ukraine. I don't know about you. I think I think, think, think I've given a lot to Ukraine uh, over the past year and a half. Are you okay with Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood telling us we need to dig deeper? Nope, nope, nope. Can't do it. Not okay with that. If you, Garth and Trisha, who wake up every day and make more money and interest in your bank account than I'll ever have in my entire life, if you want to give it all to Zelensky, be my guest. But right now, we've sent quite a bit to Ukraine. And I got to be honest with you. I would like to see a receipt. Yeah, I'd like to see where go. the money's going. What is our money being used for? Is it humanitarian? Is it weapons? Or is our money getting sent back to the DNC here in the United States? Oh. There's a lot going on here, and we get a lot more things to deal with here at home. Now, if this is just for humanitarian aid, right, 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 right. Okay, but I think we're doing enough as taxpayers. We're sending billions over there. What they choose to do with the money, what Zelensky chooses to do with this money, that's his call. But I think we've donated enough, and I'm not keen on folks who are damn near billionaires 
if not billionaires, upper echelon millionaires telling me to dig a little bit deeper in my pockets. <laughs> Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood wake up every day farting through silk. But I need to do more. <laughs> okay, let's keep it in the country music world. This is so dumb. The libs, the progressives, are very upset over country music star Jason Aldean's latest song, and they want it to be taken off the airwaves. It, it kind of seems to have backfired. I'm talking about the song Try That in a Small Town has reached number one on iTunes. Let's just listen to a little bit of it, and then we'll give you the update here. Suck punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjacking old lady at a red light. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I mean, you, you get the essence of what the right. song is about. Kind of ripping on the BLM riots, Antifa riots during the summer yeah. of love. And another thing that the left is losing their mind over, they say that Jason Aldean filmed that video in a location where a high-profile lynching took place way back in the day. So there's different angles of why the left is completely losing their mind about this song. And of course, The View, Sonny Houston and Joy Behar is saying that the song is racist. Uh, here they are. This became the number one song on U.S. iTunes. We have a problem in this country about race, and the biggest problem is we refuse to admit that it exists. Well, don't you think well, that a lot, the of the, a lot of this big that's city, fine, small yeah. town business is racist, is about race? The cities have yes, more black people than the small well, towns. It, of course, and it, what are did, they talking about? Did you catch that at the very end there when Joy Behar jumps in? She basically claims that uh, people from small towns don't want to admit there's racism because there's not a lot of black people. So, based on this logic from what The View is trying to put out here, Joy and Sonny are saying that Jason Aldean comes from a small town. There's not a lot of black people. Therefore, his view of race might be different. Does she have any numbers to back that up? Does she know which town he's from? What is she talking about? If you are saying something like that is racist, or you are uh, against in any way, shape, or form what Jason Aldean and the song stands for, then you were either complicit in the riots of 2020, or you participated in the riots of 2020, and you think the riots of 2020 were justified. That's what it comes down to. I'm sure... And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, Nige. I'm sure Sonny and Joy and the Good Time Party Girls at The View feel the same way when they hear rap lyrics that are pretty racist. <laughs> when they hear Blank the Police from NWA. When Ice-T dropped Cop Killer. I'm sure they were just as outraged as this Jason Aldean song. And you said something earlier. Do they know where Aldean grew up? Do they have any facts? They don't, but I do. I dug into uh, some numbers here, Nige. Yeah. Jason Aldean's hometown is Macon, Georgia. 54% black population <laughs> to 39% white. Oh, wow. That is hilarious. Again, further proof is if you needed anything more, that the people in The View know nothing of what they're talking about. And big picture here, look what's going on across this country right now. Look what they talk about on the national media. 
But then think about what we're doing as a country right now. So The Sound of Freedom, that movie, just hit 100 million bucks at the yeah. box office. Yeah, that cost 14 million dollars to make. Very underrated movie about human trafficking that mainstream media is labeled like some sort of QAnon conspiracy. So that's number 1. Oh, I'm sorry, it was at number 1. It's made 100 million bucks at the box office. Try that in a small town, number 1 on iTunes. Bud Light and Target losing billions of dollars over woke crap they've been trying to shove down people's throats. Uh, Disney has lost $900 million on their last Whoa. eight releases, releases because they've gone super progressive, super woke. I'm telling you, the silent majority is real. Despite what you hear on The View, the silent majority is real. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. To get up right now, and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Amory and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. The noise pollution. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also, Rob Kendall in studio from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Okay, so we've got about a week to sort of let the dust settle. I know you and Hammer were on the air last week when Sharif, the Republican running for mayor against Hogsett, released his uh, public safety program, which kind of mirrors Joe Hogsett's plan in terms of gun control. Where are we at here a week later? Well, look, he's obviously not put the plan forward that I would have put forward, which the fact that he put the gun component in to me is so disappointing because otherwise it's a pretty good plan. Like the public safety director's coming back. He's got plans to hire all these police officers. Yeah. He had a plan if, if you eliminate the gun aspect by which we would be able to go on this show and these very powerful airwaves and we'd be able to say, look at the difference, look at this, look at that. And instead the conversation, and rightfully so, becomes dominated not about the other things that are really good, but about this really ridiculous proposal on guns that he knows is not going to fly and it the worst part is it makes him no different than Hogsett, and he just ties himself, hitches himself to Hogsett's wagon on this stupid proposal. And it's a big deal. Like, I've heard people say, well, it's just one component of his deal. No, the Second Amendment is a pretty big thing, and it's not just the ridiculous plan that's never going to go anywhere anyway. The Indiana General Assembly is not going to approve any of this, no matter what insiders he claims he's spoken with. It's It represents a middle finger to people like us. If you live in Indianapolis, and you're a law-abiding citizen, and you have constitutional carry, you want to protect yourself, you want to protect your family, Jefferson Shreve thinks you're the problem. The fact that he rolled it out in the first place and he's campaigning on this makes me feel like he's blaming me for the problems in Indianapolis. And if you haven't been down 
to Indy, if you haven't been downtown to the canal, to the zoo area, to 38th Street, to Monument Circle, it's not law-abiding citizens with constitutional carry or the right to have an AR-15 that are the problem in the city. Yeah, and I've struggled with this because, as you know, we all, and I think we all did, <laughs> did really want him to win because the city cannot afford four more years of Joe Hogsett. I genuinely believe if Hogsett and Mears get four more years, this city is going to be even more unrecognizable than it is now. Now, look, we're going to give him his say when he comes in on Wednesday, and I think that's why he chose us. I am a, I would say this, I'm a complete a-hole and a villain as a commentator. I'm a pretty damn good interviewer, though, because I will ask the questions, and I will allow him to say his piece. And, want, and we'll press him where he needs to be pressed, and we're going to point out the things that we think needed to be pointed out, but he's going to have a chance to make his case. And then once he's done, it's on him to make his case. I'm not going to carry water for the guy. I'm going to give him the opportunity to say his piece, find out why he did it, what he thinks it's going to accomplish, and explain why he thinks that people like you should be singled out. I mean, he's not singling you out, but law-abiding, tax-paying citizens people should be like a part, part of the equation. Yeah. So, I mean, look, we respect he's going to come in, and we're going to ask the questions. I don't know what the answer is, though, because I don't think you're winnable at this point. I mean, I, and that sounds crazy. That if I just said two weeks ago, Hammer would not be winnable for Jefferson Shreve. It's really offensive what he put forward, and I'm not sure that's registered yet. So where did this come from? Where did this complete left turn out of nowhere? How did this happen? Is someone advising him? I told Hammer earlier. I thought it was that ridiculous uh, attack ad that Hogsett put out on Sharif. You know the one where he said, "Sure, Sharif is he supports the Second Amendment." He is pro-life. He's a conservative, <laughs> which, which, yeah, okay, that's that's virtuous if well, you're a Republican. It's really easy to get caught up in campaigns listening to a lot of voices, and this is why, look, we talked about when he became the nominee. He actually had the money to do the thing that he needed to do, which is to burn Joe Hogsett and Marion County Democrats to the ground. Yes. If you're going to go out, let's burn it all to the ground. Let's tell everybody where Joe Hogsett was and during the And that's why I was on board early on. I was ready to put the Shreve sign in my yard. I was ready to say, hey, let's get this guy in office because, hell, if he's just sober and shows up, it's better than what we got the last four years. Well, and, they, and just, just you know, full disclosure, and, and they have asked me before my opinions on things. I've given them to them as usual most most things have been ignored in the order in which it's received. And I told them, then I said it on the air. It's anything I haven't said publicly. You have the money to actually do the thing that needs to be done, which is you had to make this election an indictment on Joe Hogsett. Right. And you have given that ground up by this gun proposal. It would be a bad gun proposal if you'd just come up with it. It's an even worse one because Joe Hogsett came up with it. And look, time is running short on him to be able to explain his way out of it. And I hope he can do it next Wednesday. Again, we're totally going to give him the forum to do that because... I don't think it has dawned on them how offensive it is to so many people and how many people. I think they think, well, these people just vote for us no matter what because they hate Hogshead. Right. I don't think that's going to be the case. And it's telling to me that while I'm happy he's coming on your show next Wednesday, his first reaction to try to 
rescue this sinking ship was to run to the indie star, the super liberal, super left-leaning indie star, and then have your advisor, Mark Lubbers, famous for bringing down the Luger campaign years ago, which that's pretty impressive. You brought down Luger. Having this guy feud with Guy Relford and ripping on WIBC and basically making fun of the listeners of WIBC. Yeah, look, I mean, our ratings bear out every every month how many people love what we do and they love what we do because we speak the truth and we are not Republican shills and we're not Republican stooge men but it is easy when you live in that bubble to listen to the people who tell you you must do A, B and C and that the people outside of what we tell you well they're hilljacks and hillbillies and idiots in the minority and it is and I'm not saying this is what has happened but I have a feeling that the I call it getting their fangs into them that the establishment wing the Marion County GOP these uh, you know you know who they are the names the faces it's always the same people they got their fangs into this guy and they gave him really bad advice and they're still giving him, him bad advice last thing here on the media aspect of it when you look at Jefferson Shreve's social media stuff, whether it's him, whether it's his campaign staff and advisors, look at the people liking their post. It's James Briggs, liberal writer from Axios, used to be a star writer. It's Adam Wren, self-admitted pencil neck, super liberal writer uh, for Politico. When he's not outing victims of sexual assault, he's liking what's going on with the Jefferson Shreve campaign. That should tell you everything you need to know about who these people really are. You know, I've struggled with this because I think he's 80% better than Hogsett. All right, let me stop you right there because I've heard you say that a number of different times. Would you say that Todd Young, the Duke of Spendingburg, is 80% better than Chuck Schumer? Because I kind of feel like that's a similar comparison. No, absolutely. 80% no, 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 I don't, I don't, no, I don't think. If Todd Young were 80% better than Schumer, I probably wouldn't have a problem voting for him. No, I don't. I, I, I think Todd Young spends way more money than Chuck Schumer has, so no. But. My point is, I'm about to. I'm about to come to your side. Give me a damn minute. <laughs> uh, the, uh, because I think there are things in his proposal that are really good. However, if you're willing to virtue signal or pander or whatever the thing is on this. That should raise a red flag of what else are you willing to do that on? And if you can't be trusted on something that is so, I mean, this is so undoable what he's proposed, then if we can't count on you on everything else, then how do you, you know, how do you count on anything? So I've struggled with this because as a Hoosier lifer, I know you are, I know Nigel is, we want this city to thrive. We know it won't thrive with Joe Hogshead, but Jefferson Shreve and this proposal man, he's really put himself in a hole. And by the way, it feels like there's a perception coming from his campaign that this is not really a big deal and we're making it out to be something that it's not that not many people are paying attention to which i don't think is the case no i I agree i agree they don't think they think here's what they think i'm they've not told me this of course but i am confident they think that hammer at the end of the day it's just like what republic it's what look at todd young did it diego morales did it last time and they were right they think republicans at the end of the day fear democrats so much that conservatives fear democrats so much that you will ultimately you'll huff and you'll puff and you'll bad mouth now they don't know you and they don't know what a terrible person you actually are. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when it comes time to pull the lever, you and your wife and your boy who can vote are going to get in there and go out of fear. Well, we can't have Hogsett, so we'll vote for him. 
I think they're dead wrong. I think they made a big mistake. I think this is a much bigger issue, but that would be where I guess they're at. It'd be a shame if a local radio host who happens to have a number one rated show would start a write-in Abdul campaign. It'd be a shame (laughs) if that happened, but uh, maybe I'll consider that. Well, look, he is making the smart choice. If you need your campaign saved, you come to Rob Kendall. (laughs) Uh, Rob, we've talked a lot about the mayor's race in Indianapolis. Governor's race. Not quite getting as much attention locally, but we've had some action lately. Uh, This is about to get juicy, and I love it because there's nothing that I love more than establishment on establishment violence, and we're about to get some because Brad Chambers, who is uh, the head of the, or was the head of the IEDC, Economic Development Corporation, under Holcomb, he is the toady stooge in charge of strong-arming farmers into selling their farmland for sweetheart real estate deals for mega corporations like Eli Lilly. He is about to get in the race, at least that's the big rumor, and a little birdie who has been very, very accurate over the years inside of the state government, inside of the state capitol, told me that once he gets in, Holcomb and Hupfer Incorporated, Eric Holcomb, Kyle Hupfer, and all the Oompa Loompas that do the bidding of those two awful people are about to get behind this guy, which means Holcomb will, in the vein of Stone Cold Steve Austin, be giving two giant middle fingers to his Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch, who's also running. I was going to say, that's his Lieutenant Governor. You think he'd put his weight behind her? Which I I love this so much because <laughs> Silent Suzanne has been such a toady loser stooge for that guy for seven years. Through all the tax increases, through the mass mandate, through the business closures, through the Malik Muhammad meet and greet, calling people a human petri dish, she has sat right behind him like a seal and going, <laughs> and now he's about to stab her in the back. She's getting exactly what she deserved. I love it. Man, I can't wait to see the faces of Rod and Tom. And the good time party boys when Mike Braun walks in there as the winner. Oh, well, let's see here. You guys didn't support me from the beginning, but I had enough money to win this damn thing. Looks like there's a new sheriff in town. Look. Whoever wins is going to disappoint me and let me down. I've already accepted that. Mike Braun has already told people at these various county fairs, I'm not doing anything with property taxes. I don't care that you're hurting. Kiss my ass. He voted for the largest tax increase in state history, which is the gas tax. So I have no expectation for him. So I'm going to get my money's worth in this primary. And gosh darn it, this Chambers versus Suzanne fight for the establishment and watching Suzanne get screwed after screwing the taxpayers of this state for seven years. Well, I'm going to get my my money's worth. And but let's <laughs> let's be honest. Your prediction is what for the outcome of the governor's race? Well, is I don't. Bra- I, is it bronze to lose when we're really being honest with each other? I, I actually have no idea because when you got six people running, which you will if Chambers gets in, twenty percent could win you the governor's race. And look, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but a world exists where Curtis Hill could conceivably get to twenty percent. And boy, yeah. nothing would make me happier than seeing the look on Holcomb's face if Curtis Hill became the Republican nominee for governor. We got less than a minute left here. You were whining earlier that <laughs> because your dad duties are interfering now, you can't watch the British Open. Since I was about 12 years old, one of my favorite things to do every year in July is get up at 1.30 on a Thursday morning and watch the <laughs> opening tee shot of the British Open. I remember my dad as a kid, keep that television down! I gotta go to work in the morning! <laughs> and so here, I, last night I told my wife, boy, I can't wait to get up. 1.30 in the morning. I'm so excited. And she goes, yeah, huh? And 1.30, the alarm sounded, and I thought, 
I'm kind of tired. I'm gonna <laughs> like Forrest Gump. I'm gonna go back to bed now, <laughs> and that's my life now. That's it. That's me going forward. Well, so what? The baby doesn't wake up at one o'clock in the morning. You can't watch it. Uh, well, I, like, look. What's the schedule. Uh, we have a rule in my house between the hours of midnight and five. It's the wife's child. Oh my. God. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, my God. I take the other 19 hours of the day. Don't I do my part? I gotta go to work. You're at work part of the daytime. You're not at home taking care of the kid. I'm asking how she's doing. Doesn't that count? <laughs> What's coming up on the show tomorrow? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. I have absolutely no idea. We'll figure it out 9 to noon, but be sure to tune in because it's going to be awesome. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.